talk about the word of the Lord for this year and the word of the Lord for this house for this year and actually for all of us for every year is Jesus himself. He is the word. This is where we want our focus. This is where we want our eyes to, we want our eyes to gaze upon his beauty. David said, one thing have I desired of the Lord and that one thing do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord, beholding his beauty and inquiring of him in his temple, right? That is the one thing. Did you, isn't that cool? The Bible actually, you know, the whole thick Bible, the whole thick Bible boils everything down. David says, there's actually one thing that really matters to me because everything else flows out of that, right? Eyes focused on Jesus, not on any person, not on, not on any circumstance, not on the pain in our bodies. Anybody get more of those as you get older? A little few more of those, Right? Not on the pain in our bodies, not on the diagnosis from a doctor, not on whether I wake up in a good mood or whether I wake up in a bad mood. How many of you ever wake up in a bad mood? I see your posts. I know you do, right? So do I. Wake up Monday, right? Everybody's like, where did the weekend go? And, and, and God wants us to, to, again, remind us. And this is a continual reminder. How many know this isn't like a series? This is life. That every day and every moment is an opportunity to adjust our focus and to ask Jesus to adjust our focus. So I want to continue in John chapter 14. This is where we were last week. As we look at the six of the seven I am statements of Jesus in the book of John. John 14, we'll read it again. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. It's always hard for me to, not, to, to stop to not stop and preach on this, but we did it last week. So I'm going to keep, keep trucking. In my father's house are many dwelling places. Mansions is not in the text. We talked about that last week. This is about him preparing a place with his father. It's about him preparing a place in the body of Christ for us. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, his resurrection from the dead, and receive you where? To myself. Oh, it's so good. That where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I am going. And I always love verse 5. Thomas said to him, Lord, we actually don't know where you're going. So how in the world are we supposed to know the way? I love his honesty, right? Verse 6, Jesus said to him, this is the sixth statement. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And no one comes where? To the Father. It's not just to heaven, right? Heaven is a byproduct or a blessing. The only reason it's heaven is because he's there, right? He's, no one comes to the Father but through me. I was, I was looking at that verse again in the Passion Translation this week, and I thought I would share it with you guys. Jesus explained, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Listen to this. No one comes next to the Father. I love that it's translated that way. How many know that actually bears witness with what Paul taught, right? That we are seated with him in heavenly places. No one comes next to the Father. I don't know why I would have ever have thought this, and I don't think I could have verbalized that I thought this, but somehow it was there's Father God, 
and then at his right hand is his son, Jesus, right? And then maybe next to him is Billy Graham, right? And then next to him is probably Lyle, right? Right there next to Billy Graham is probably where he's at, right? And then next to him is most likely Matt Davis, right? Actually, Jen, sorry, Matt. And then Matt, right? And, and maybe down the line a few ways, you know, a little bit further away, then there's, um, finally it gets to me, and I, and I made it. You know, there's this old song, this Southern Gospel song that they used to sing when I was a kid. It went like this. Just give me a cabin in the corner of glory. Anybody ever heard that song before? You heard that one before? <laughs> that, that, that's good enough for me. Um, and it's, you know, it's got a catchy little Southern gospel tune, but, and somehow I think songs like that and, and just the sense of my own identity struggles that I've had most all of my life, right? Just like you guys, we all have these struggles with who we are and, and, you know, how are, how does God really feel about us? And, and, and we're concerned about what other people think about us. And just because of all of that stuff, I mean, I'm like, okay, that'll be good enough for me. I just want a little cabin somewhere in the corner of glory. You know, that'll be okay. But that is not what Jesus actually came, died, and rose again to bring us into. He brought every single one of us, look at this, next to the Father. That's where we all are. All of us, not in a line down the row. There was a prophet that wrote a book some, you know, back in the 90s. And, and the book was basically talking about how in heaven there were some people that were really close to God because of how they lived. And there were some back a little bit further and a little bit further. But just be happy because you're there. So just be glad that you made it in. But Jesus accomplished far more than just getting us to some place that we're going to go when we die. He rose again and brought us into himself and he brought us next to the Father. That's where we are now. Like not just when we die someday, but we are next to the Father right now in relationship with him. He said no one can come next to the Father except through union. This is what Jesus accomplished. He united us in his death, burial, and resurrection with him and then he says, to know me is to know my Father too. So we begin to talk last week about, in your notes, how Jesus is our way into his relationship with Papa, not our way to have a relationship with Papa, but literally our way into his relationship with his Papa. That's how close we are. We've been brought into his relationship. And then we also begin to talk about how Jesus is our truth, but specifically in this context... He's talking about, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, no one comes next to the Father. I'm the way to the Father, I'm the truth about the Father. That's in context what he's, he's talking to us about. So he's our truth about the Father in that, same, in that same chapter in verse 9, he said, to see me is to see the Father. You want to know, know what God looks like, look at Jesus, right? Right? Let me, let me say this phrase again. I said it last week, but it's one that, it's a good one to, to, to kind of get in our hearts. God looks like Jesus. God has always looked like Jesus. There has never been a time when God did not look like Jesus. 
We haven't always known this. Read the Old Testament, right? How I many know the Old Testament progressively revealing who God is? He is hidden. He is veiled as they live under the law. They don't see his heart. They don't see who he really is. But Jesus comes as the exact represent, representation of the Father because he said, actually, I showed up on the planet because none of you get it. None of you know what he looks like. None of you. No one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son reveals him, right? So to see Jesus is to see the Father. So that's one aspect of talking about truth that we covered last week. Next, this morning I want to spend the balance of our time talking about truth in your notes is reality. That's what the word actually means. Jesus is reality. He's not fantasy. Jesus isn't fairy tale. He's not fantasy. He's not theory. Uh, he's not just a good idea. He's not just a good chill bump. He is reality. I'm talking to Pentecostals, right? He's not just a good feeling. He's reality. He is reality. All reality comes from and is based in and finds its source and continual life in and through him right now. If Jesus did not exist, everything else goes. That's actually what Paul teaches in the New Testament about Christ. He's the creator and the sustainer of all things. All things Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says, are held together by the word of his power. If he's not the one that is speaking, then there is nothing. There's nothing that exists. There's no person that you will ever meet that exists outside of Jesus. I want you to hear that this morning. They don't know it yet, some of them. That's what salvation is, waking up to what Jesus has done in his death, burial, and resurrection. There's no such thing as an earth that exists or a universe that exists outside of Jesus. Well, what about hell, that separation from God? Don't tell that to David. He'll tell you something like this. If I make my bed in hell, I'll even find you there. Wow. <laughs> There is no such thing as anything, according to what Scripture teaches. If, if, if you believe Scripture, and I love what Jesus tells even his own disciples, if you don't believe me, believe at least because of what you've seen me do. Right? In, in John 14, this very same passage. Jesus is the very central source. He is reality. There is no reality apart from him. So when you think about truth, you think about reality, or when I do, it takes me back to John chapter 8, when Jesus was teaching. It's in your notes, John chapter 8, verse 31. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, and that Greek word there is logos, and how many know the, the scripture says in the beginning was the logos, and the logos was with God and the Logos was God, right? So Jesus himself has called this word Logos. Logos, logic. The thinking, the logic, the language of God. If you continue in, in my logic, if you can continue in the way that I'm, I'm thinking and talking to you and teaching you, then you are truly disciples of mine and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. That's good, isn't it? We all know that. Most of us in the room are familiar with that passage. I want to look at that from the West uh, translation. Word for word, this is a literal translation, translation. Then Jesus was saying to the Jews, having the Jews who 
having believed him, were at the moment maintaining that attitude of faith, as for you, if you remain in the word which is mine, truly my disciples you are. He kind of Yoda's them there, right? (laughs) Truly my disciples you are. That's the way these literal translations go. And you shall know the truth, the truth, the truth. Not you shall know a principle. I want you to catch this. You will know the truth. You shall know the reality. Notice this part. Because this is what's packed in the word know in Greek. In an experiential way. Not you, you'll just memorize some principles or even memorize some passages, right? Because what I used to think growing up is Jesus was saying, you will know the Bible and when you know these principles in the Bible, those principles, there will be freedom in your life when you know them. There is a level of truth in that. How many of you have experienced that? That you read the truth concerning an area of your life, right? A principle. Maybe it's a principle about relationships and how relationships work and how to love someone unconditionally. You practice that and experience that and there's freedom in your life, right? You are free. Or how about in finances? You know the truth in the area of finances in your life that you're not to hoard. You are to be a giver and you are to be faithful and a good steward. And you learn all these principles about finances. And how many of you have experienced freedom from exercising or walking out those principles, right? So there's a level of truth there. But Jesus is he's saying a lot more than that here. He's saying more than you're going to learn some principles because, listen, nobody had more Bible memorized than the spiritual leaders that are hearing him say these things. They knew the scripture by heart. They memorized the Bible. They knew the Bible backward and forward. So knowing, you would think then, they knew the truth, right? Because they memorized it, they could quote it, they could tell other people what you're supposed to do. (laughs) Don't you love those folks? I know it, and I'm going to tell you how to do it too, right? So if it's just about memorizing or even knowing the Bible, none of us here, I bet, maybe I'm wrong, not me, I'll say this for sure. I, do, I cannot quote the first five books of the law by memory. Maybe there's someone here who can, but every Pharisee that was listening to Jesus could. They could quote big sections of the rest of it. So they had memorized the Bible, Right? So there's got to be more that Jesus is saying than just memorize the Bible and just know those principles. And again, there's a level of truth in that, absolutely. Let me tell you something. A non-believer can practice principles that are true and it'll work for them. Am I right? My uncle was not a believer in Jesus. He is now. But he was not a believer in Jesus. But he had heard, growing up, you're supposed to tithe. And so he tithed. And in tithing and being a giver, which he has always been, ever since I've ever known him, even when he, before he said that he would profess faith in Christ, even then, it worked for him. It worked, because truth works, right? If I go on top of this building and I step off of it, I most likely am going to hit the ground, because that's a principle, right? Gravity works. It works for everybody. I mean, you know, the principles can work for everybody, Right? But Jesus has something far more. He did not just show up on the planet because we needed more principles. 
He didn't just show up on the planet to make sure that we lived the law right, right? I mean, there's been plenty of years of, uh, of, of the, the scripture had been written, the law had, was there, you could read it, you could try to follow it, and we, we learned last week that it wasn't even about that, right? You don't break God's laws, they break you. So Jesus shows up on the scene and he starts telling them, it's like, what, what is going on? He says, as for you, you remain in the word, which is mine. Truly, my disciples, you are. And you shall know the truth in an experiential way, and the truth shall make you free. And they answered him. They yoded him back. All springs of Abraham, we are. <laughs> and we have never yet been in bondage to anyone, right? They're getting offended. They're getting upset with Jesus preaching. They said, what are you talking about us? We don't need to be free. I don't need freedom in my life. I'm a, what are you talking about, making me free? I've, I've never been in bondage to anyone. I'm an offspring of Abraham. He says, how is it that you are saying you shall become those, they're saying, how, how is it that you shall become those who are free? Why are you saying that? Answered them to Jesus. Most assuredly, I am saying to you, everyone who habitually commits sin is a slave to sin. Now, how many have experienced that before? I mean, everybody in that crowd could have, you know, at that moment, it's like, oh, wait a minute, you know, they're, they're talking in this, in this uh, you know, macro way. We're the, we're the children of Abraham. We, we are completely free. He said, oh, really? Because uh, if you are a slave, if you're committing habitual sin, you're, you are enslaved by that thing. Anybody ever been sla- enslaved by habit? Enslaved by any kind of habitual sin. It might not just be the habit of drinking or drugs or overeating. It could be the habit of talking bad about people right? Whatever that habit is, whatever that thing is. But the slave does not abide in the house. So he said, there's a problem here. You don't, you can't abide. He's talking to the people who have believed in him. Follow my word, follow my logic. You're going to know truth and truth is going to make you free. Well, you don't need to be free. We're the offspring of Abraham. Okay. Let me help you out here a little bit. Are you, are you tangled up in some stuff you can't get untangled from? Well, guess what? You can't actually abide while you're entangled in that stuff. The son, oh, he abides forever. If therefore who, not what, right? If therefore the son make you free. Oh, that's exactly what he just said earlier. You will know the truth and the truth will make you free. He says, let me tell you exactly what I'm talking about here. I'm not just talking to you guys about learning the principles and doing a better job with your life. Jesus did not come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. Right? He's he's not just saying, let me tell you guys, I've got a great message for you today. If you'll go back and read your Bibles and just act on those principles, then you'll learn those principles and you'll have a greater measure of freedom in your life. He's saying, you guys are incapable of actually doing that. That's why your lives are entangled in sin and you can't get out of it. But I've shown up as the truth, the son, and I've come to make you free. Not to teach you steps to freedom. I have come to actually make you free individuals in reality. Free individuals in me, in Christ. So good. So good. So he's telling them real freedom is found in reality. And I'm that reality. 
I'm the one who makes you free. It's all found in me. It's all found in Jesus. This is Paul too. He had one message, Christ and him crucified, right? Jesus, 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 Jesus is reality. Now let's go back to John 14. This is the chapter that we're in, right? He's telling them I'm the way, the truth, and the life. The only way you come to the Father is through this union with me that I'm coming back and I'm bringing you into, all right? I love that. But then he goes on in John 14, one of my, this has become in the last, I don't know, maybe year, year and a half, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I love John 14, 20, because Jesus in John 14, after he tells him, I am the way to this relationship with the Father, I'm the reality. I am, you see me, you've seen Papa. He begins to tell them about how he's sending his spirit, right? And his spirit is gonna bring them into truth. And, and he says that in, this in John 14, verse 20. In that day, so when, whenever you read that, you wanna know what that day is. In context, he's talking about death, burial, resurrection, and the sending of his spirit. In the day of the Holy Spirit, in the day when Holy Spirit is working in the earth, out of my death, burial, and resurrection. In that day, you're going to know something about the someone. You're going to know. This is that experiential knowledge. You're going to know. The first thing you're going to know is that I am in the Father. The first thing you're going to, because this was revolutionary. For us, we're Christians. We believe in the Trinity, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. This is not a common understanding at this time. John is breaking open some ground, Right? He is breaking open some ground. This whole idea of a father and son, Jesus actually broke open the ground. He starts going around calling God, Dad, Abba, right? And the first thing Jesus says you're going to know, before you know anything else, you've got to know about my relationship with my father. That's the first thing the Holy Spirit's going to reveal to you. Number one, before you get involved in the picture. The first thing you're going to know is not that you're a sinner, and you're a messed up, we all already know that anyways, right? But the Holy Spirit is not going to just reveal to you, number one, you're a mess. We already know we're a mess. The first thing Holy Spirit wants to reveal to us is there is a relationship that is so holy and so pure that nothing could mess it up. And that is the relationship between Papa and Son. Before you got involved in it, there was an other-focused, other-giving, other-centered love that was flowing that didn't need us to fulfill him. But out of the fulfillment then creates us. The first thing you're going to know before you get in and could mess it up, you've got to know there's something solid and stable beyond anything that there's ever been solid and stable. There's a love relationship like no other love relationship. There's a joy like no other joy that exists between father and son. In that day, you're going to know that I am in my father. Such a close relationship, he uses the word in. Not just I am next to now, but I am in my father. And the next thing you're going to know is that you're in me. I brought you into that. Oh, I love this so much. I brought you into this relationship with my father. And then the next thing, we've talked a lot about that, right? But the next thing you're going to know is that I, I'm in you. What a thought. So the father and the son, incredibly close relationship, so much so the word in is used. You can't, you, you, where one leaves off, the other one, the other one is. Such a close relationship. I'm in the Father, and guess what? I'm bringing you into me, 
so that your relationship with the Father is my relationship with the Father. But I'm not stopping there. Next thing you're going to know is that I have made my way into you. That is a powerful thought, isn't it? We talk about it, Christ in me, the hope of glory. The fullness of the Godhead dwells in Christ and Christ is in me. Oh, that's why you and I can say God is good to me all the time, to me. Jesus himself, Christ, he said, you're going to know something experientially. Remember the word know means experientially. Not just you're going to know it in your head. You're going to experience something. You're going to experience a relationship, a fellowship. Koinonia is the Greek word, a partnership. You're going to experience this oneness of me in you. Now, how many remember the story of, of Paul's conversion in, in the book of Acts, right? You can raise your hand or not. Doesn't matter, I can't see you. <laughs> Just trying to give you something to do to stay awake. <laughs> so, so Paul, you know, is on his way to kill Christians, right? I mean, that's what he's doing. He's on his way to arrest them. And he's involved in the murder of Christians. This is what he does. Thinking, by the way, he is knowing truth and the truth is making him free, right? He's trying to set everybody else free. He wants everybody else to know the real truth. These Christians, so-called, are believing a lie. He's going he's gonna, to he's gonna prove to the world who God is, right? And the holiness of God. And he's on his way to murder Christians and what happens? Oh, right? It wasn't quite that pretty. A bright light, boom, shows up. Paul's falling off his donkey, right? And he hears a voice. Now, other people around him aren't sure what's going on. They know there's a bright light. They hear, you know, there's like something going on crazy here. But he hears a voice, right? Saul, Saul, his name is at the time. Why are you persecuting me? Right? And he has this encounter. I mean, a real encounter. How many of you ever thought, yeah, I probably would get saved too if I had that kind of encounter, right? A bright light out here. A voice out here, blind, blinded by the light. That's when that song was written, right? <laughs> Paul wrote that. And then that other line was in tongues because no one else understands it after that, right? So here, here's this conversion. We read about it in Acts. This is how it happened, all external. Bright light, voice out here. He's shaken to the core by what he's spoken, what is spoken to him. And... Um, you know, this whole thing happens. But when Paul tells the story himself in the book of Galatians, this is in your notes, here's how he tells this story. Galatians 1 verse 13. For you have heard of my former manner of life in Judaism, how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure, and I tried to destroy it. Wow. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, being more extremely zealous for my ancestral traditions. But when God, who had set me apart even from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me. So that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood. And he goes on to tell the rest of his story and how he goes to Arabia in the desert. And 
But the, the part I want us to focus in on this morning is when Paul tells the Galatians about his encounter with God, which looks to us, right, in the book of Acts, to be a completely external encounter with Jesus. Because there have been people who have seen Jesus, right? Externally seen him with their eyes. They've had encounters with him and they've seen the risen Jesus. John was another one, right? The book of Revelation is written out of that encounter where he sees Jesus. But Paul said, what happened for me is that Jesus was revealed to me in me. This is a big deal, guys. Jesus made his way in this is cool because it would be one thing to meet Jesus externally and that could shake you up. Like, oh, if I saw him like Paul, I mean, like, whoa, that would be incredible and I would love to see Jesus, but not tonight, Lord, right? Kind of like, it would probably scare me a little bit too much, so, but I would love to see you with my physical eyes. Maybe someday I'll, I'll see you. That kind of thing is a big deal, like, but it's all external. I love this about Jesus. He makes his home in here. In here is where the mess is for me, right? Are you with me? In here is where I've thought up all the stupid things I've thought up. In here is where I've been in bondage. Not out there. Not out there. Out there, stuff is happening. You know, there's, there's problems, there's struggles. I see that there are things going on out there. But my real struggle for me is not out there. My real struggle for me is in here. And Jesus says, I'm not going to just be out there, right? I'm not just out there, but that very area where you struggle, you could go there this morning. You could go to that very area where you're struggling right now. And I'm talking to you as believers. Those of you that are already believers and struggling in an area of your life, you go visit that area and you'll find out Jesus is already there. You, in that day, you will know that I have made my way into your mess. I have made my way into your life. I have made my way, I have actually, he's completely perfected your spirit already. The believer in Jesus, your spirit is completely perfect. But he did not just make his way into your spirit, but through your spirit, we, we divide ourselves up and we are a three-part being. We're a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body, but none of them functions independent of the other. All of them are interconnected with each other, our spirit, our soul, and our body. Jesus has made his way in. There is no place you could visit in your life that you will not find Jesus already there saying, okay, I'm ready to go to work on this. I'm already here. Oh, I'm so ashamed. Well, I already knew about it. Shame is it, how's shame working for you? Is that, is that helping you to actually overcome that area of your life? Is that, is that helping you to believe you are something wrong? I mean, going even down to the core of your shame that you feel on the inside, you cannot go there without Jesus already having been there. Now, I realize that that kind of flies in the face of some of the thinking, for me specifically, of like, well, what I need to do is open up this area of my life because I have blocked Jesus out. And so I've got to open up that area to give him access to that area. I actually don't believe that's biblical anymore. What I need to do is have my thinking change to realize he's already there and he's ready to work and he's ready to move. He's actually already working, he's already moving and now I can partner with him. The block is in here in my thinking. He's not blocked, I'm blocked. 
<laughs> There's no shadow you won't light up. Mountain you won't climb up. You're coming after me. How many know some of those shadows are in our thinking? Right? Those, those shadows, those dark areas, those areas of struggle that we're going through on the inside. I'm telling you, Jesus is there. Jesus is working. And I can tell you that, but I want you to know you can go there and find out for yourself. Go there in prayer saying, Jesus, have your way in this area of my life and you'll find out he's already working and he's inviting you and I into partnership. Experientially, you will know. Paul says, on the day of my conversion, Christ was revealed in me. Not just, it's very powerful that he didn't say Christ was revealed to me. It's way more intimate than that. Christ is revealed in me. Now here's the deal though. <laughs> All right, so I said all that, but let me say this. <laughs> Don't go looking for the bad stuff. You can, and you'll find out Jesus is already there, right? But when you go on a, on a hunt, on a journey, an internal journey, go looking for Jesus. And you will find him in those dark places, and you will find him in, in, in the places where he's already working and already moving. You will find him in your life, but the key is you're looking for him. Not just looking for your trash. It's easy to see your trash. How many of you know that? I mean, you're already, even while I'm preaching today, you're already thinking about those areas of your own life. I know that. I know how it works. I know how it works in my own head. Or maybe you guys aren't as crazy as me. I don't know. But for me, it's easy for me to see the junk in me. And I have found that when I look at the junk in me, it's also easy for me to see the junk in you. And if I'll look at the junk in you, it'll help me keep from focusing on the junk in me. But if I start by looking for Jesus, if I start by looking for he who dwells in me, and if I start by listening to what he is saying, now I'll have an opportunity to agree or disagree with him. We all do, and he gives us that freedom. To agree or disagree with him, to either side with Jesus or to decide, nope, I'm not going to agree with who you are. I don't believe you really love me. I don't believe you're really committed to me. And I can continue to live in that lie if I want to and he'll let me, right? But if I go looking for him and I see him and I see him beautiful and I see his heart for me in the darkness, in the moment now, not I love you for who you're going to become. I love you now and that's how you're going to become. I love you in this moment and you go and I go looking for Jesus that way then guess what also when I look around I start seeing him in you too and I start seeing the beauty of Jesus on the inside of you that he is working in your life you'll never meet a person I'm talking about even pre-believers the only reason we become believers is because he's working right so we see Jesus working in, in every single person around us. We can see the beauty of who he is and what he's, what he's, what he's working on and, 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 and how he created them, who he created them to be. When we see Jesus in us, we look and we see Jesus working in the lives of other people as well. And here's what happens, Colossians 3. And as Christ, he's reality. As Christ himself is seen for who he really is, who you really are, will also be revealed for you are now one with him in his glory now <laughs> as we see Jesus as we look to him in the midst of our darkness in the midst of our pain in the midst of our struggle and our eyes are focused on him and we don't just look for him out there but we look for him in here oh God when we see him in here we see him out there 
when we see him in here, we see him working out there. Because in your notes, Christ is reality. Christ is reality. I'm going to just stop right there this morning. I'm not going to try to to rush through this last section. Don't you love that every week I give you more notes than we cover? Which is fun for me because I go back and revisit them and get more stuff later. I want us to, let's stand, let's stand. Jesus is reality. (laughs) Jesus, help me say this so that it has life and freedom in it. Jesus in you is reality. Jesus in your spouse is real, reality. Jesus in your neighbor working in their life is real. Jesus is reality. This morning, if you would just bow your heads for just a moment. Now you don't have to bow your head. You don't have to. We invented that. That wasn't even early church stuff that happened. They prayed with their heads lifted high. Bowing of the head came later as a way to almost, it was really based out of shame. Yeah, that's what you do, right? You put your head down when you don't want to look someone in the eye. You look God in the eye. He knows you. He knows the real you. I'm not talking about he knows the messed up you. He knows the real you. He knows the mess too. But he knows the real you. And he loves the real you. If you have not said, yes, I surrender. I want to meet you on the inside. I want to meet you there, Jesus. I want to give my life to you. If you've not done that before, if you've not given your life to Jesus, if you've not surrendered your life to him, we'd love to give you the opportunity to do that. Raise your hand real high if that's you today. Is there anyone that needs to do that this morning? Raise your hand real high. I don't want to miss that. So Jesus, we just right now, we just thank you for what you've done for us. God, for my brothers and sisters this morning in the room that, Lord, that, that know, and even, even as I've been preaching, that something's stirred up. I know when you talk about things that we struggle with, it stirs things up. So Jesus, right now, I pray that would meet you in the midst of that stirring. <laughs> and that you would stir them and awaken them and awaken me to who we really are in you, that we would see Jesus. That we would see you reveal, Holy Spirit, reveal Jesus to us. Reveal reality to us. Reveal who we really are. Reveal that we're loved. Reveal how passionate Papa is to us. Reveal to us the reality of the gospel. Reveal to us the reality of Jesus. We thank you for that this morning. We give you praise. Right now, I just pray over you. I just right now an an encounter on the inside an encounter on the inside with the living Jesus I am going to ask you to close your eyes for just a moment not because it's a good way to pray but so that you're not distracted by the outside just close your eyes right now Jesus I ask that you would reveal yourself right now eyes closed that, that we could see in our imagination something of a picture Maybe a thought, maybe a word, maybe something from Scripture, something someone said to us recently that was actually from you and we missed it. 
an encounter with you right now. And I'm going to give just a minute or so. We're still good on time. So I'm going to give us a minute to just, just to let Holy Spirit, maybe it'll come in a thought, maybe it'll come in a word, maybe it'll come in a phrase, maybe it'll come in a picture, or even just a feeling of peace or whatever it may be. We just welcome you right now. In fact, just say, Holy Spirit, I give you permission to reveal Christ in me right now. Okay, let's just wait as, as uh, Derek plays. getting something from the Lord, but I want you to ask, how do you see me, Jesus? How do you see me? Just ask, just ask him that. You can use your words if you want to. How do you see me, Jesus? dismiss well that couldn't be the lord well if it is your a lousy pathetic low worm yeah 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 that's not the lord telling you that this morning but i would just ask you to take that what he's shown you maybe meditate on it this week maybe spend some time just asking the lord to open it up more you can go right back to that same thought anyone want to want to just share out loud uh, quickly what did the lord say when you said how do you see me anyone hear anything as a forerunner awesome anyone else Confident. Do you always feel confident? Oh, that's good, isn't it? He sees you as confident. Anyone else? Beautiful and wonderful. That's good. Anyone else? Without spot, without blemish. That's how he sees you. That's good, isn't it? That's who you really are. Anyone else? Oh, there you go. That's really good, Jerry. He sees himself. He looks at you and he says, you look at me and see yourself. <laughs> That's good. Anyone else? Now do one thing real quick and, and look at your neighbor real quick. Just take a quick look at him. Hopefully he said strategically if you're single. Take a quick look at him. Just see Jesus in them real quick, huh? You just saw him beautiful in you. In fact, before you leave this morning, I'll dismiss you and you can come receive prayer if you need it. But before you leave, if you feel comfortable doing this, just tell them what you saw when you looked at them. And it, it has to be good, right? It has to be good, right? Jesus is seeing who we really are, right? So Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you that you 
Focus us on you, that you are reality. We bless you in Jesus' name, amen. Come receive prayer, go out and give them.